0: Good morning, my friends. Welcome to today's episode of Happiness After Codependency. I'm Marshall Berkshire, and I'm your guide back to knowing, loving, and living who you are. So you can go on and create a life you enjoy living, creating relationships that work for you, and purpose, joy, things that we really desire in our life. So, Because we're not here to be stuck in codependency. Codependency is simply our survival strategy to help us meet our needs, develop our identity, and create connection in our world. And now we can learn how to meet our needs, discover, know, love, and live who we are, and create satisfying, fulfilling relationships in our life without codependency. That's my goal here, help you accomplish that in your world. So today's episode is episode number four of How to Nurture Yourself. We're going to be talking about how needs are fulfilled in adult relationships. So I'll be jumping that in a moment. Before we get to that, I want to invite you to join the community. The community is your safe haven here on the internet where you can find tools, guidance, and support in your journey back to yourself, as well as interaction with me and other survivors. You're not alone in this journey. Join me and 4,000 other survivors in our journey back to our well-being, back to our happiness. Link is above on Facebook, below on YouTube. If you're on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. And if you're listening via podcast, go to freetheself.com. Click community and you can join right there. Thank you guys again for being here, for sharing my videos and my podcast and my articles and everything I do. As uh you're helping me make a bigger impact in the world and I appreciate that. So now I'm gonna click a button and we're gonna get this shared out to the community. We're going to jump into today's topics. So let me know how you're doing in the comments below and what your thoughts are on today's topic, what we're going to be discussing here. So, how needs get fulfilled in adult relationships. This may be a blunt episode, a blunt cake episode for you in disguise here. So, I so want you to take a moment and check in with your capacity. Check in with where you're at with things. It's like, hmm, am I willing to hear confronting things? Am I willing to be open to it? Or do I need to pass on this until I'm in a place where I need, where I'm available and open and have the energy to consider it? Because some of this is going to be blunt. Also, as an update, someone just asked me, the kidneys are doing better today. Still have not completed passing Mr. Terrorstone. We'll see how that goes. It usually takes a little bit, but today it's actually feeling pretty good. Okay, so most of the time in relationships, especially if we're coming from codependency, we are coming from what I call a child-level attachment paradigm, or I'm attaching to people in hopes that they'll meet my needs like my parent would. That can be pretty blunt, because a lot of times that's what we're doing. So we get into relationships in hopes that this person will meet our needs. And in that, couched in that hope is that we are parentifying the other person or the other person's parentifying us. We haven't matured out of our child-level attachment needs into adult attachment approaches. <clears throat> Basically, what this shows up as is two things. We're coming from an unmatured or child-level attachment approach to relationship. We are feeling entitled to something from the other person because they're in a relationship with us. And that person may feel obligated to connect or or contribute to us. And we may feel feel obligated to contribute to them. So what happens is the foundation of the relationship is based on entitlement and obligation. This is where expectations come out sideways as passive-aggressive comments, as punishment or upset or anger that they didn't do the thing or that we didn't do the thing and now they're upset that we didn't do the thing for them. We didn't mind read them or something. Yeah, this is where a lot of relationship dysfunction exists. This is where a lot of pain exists. This is where we have to mature ourselves and grow into an adult level of relating, okay? So so what this looks like is rather than entitlement and obligation where we believe the other person is obligated to meet our needs because they're our part partner. You know, hey, this is my wife. This is my husband. This is my girlfriend. This is my boyfriend. They're supposed to meet my needs. That's the job. That's, that's what the relationship is about. That isn't true. That isn't true at all because As an adult, we are responsible for our needs 100% of the time. There are cats in our yard. We've got to manage them. In relationship, it's not about obligation. It's about consent and privilege. So instead of coming at this from I'm entitled to something or obligated to give something, I ask for what I want, and then they choose to give or not based on their desire. And it's that want, that desire to contribute, that differentiates a child-level relationship to an adult-level relationship. Because in child-level attachment relationships, people are obligated. I have to do this, or they're going to withdraw their love from me, or I'm going to get punished, or etc., etc. It feels like there's a threat there. In the adult-level relationship, it's about asking, and then the person, if they want to, contributes to that. And through that want, through that sincere desire, you build true intimacy. You build true, secure attachment. So it becomes easier and easier to ask and to receive and to contribute. That's the magic here. It's a big leap. I get it. I have worked 10, 15 years on this myself. Because we have to grow or mature into our adulthood by owning ourselves. Have to own our needs, our wants, our boundaries, our power, our powerlessness, our choices, our actions, the consequences that come with them. Because they are ours. They've always been our responsibility. Their needs, their wants, their choices, their actions, all that is theirs. And when we have practiced owning our needs and wants, and we are relating with someone who has done the same, that's where the where consent and privilege show up because in this practice we discover a fundamental respect for the other person. We care about their needs. We care about their well-being. And they care about us that way. And we know they do that. We know they feel that because they tell us that. They show us that through their behavior. See, a relationship that functions based on this consent and privilege basis is operating from a premise of I want to contribute and I want to receive from you. So our needs, our wants, our desires are all valid and they are valued because they are the means by which we serve each other. They're the means uh, to connection and they are the structure of a secure attachment. This is where we become able to rely on an individual, and they rely on us without feeling smothered, encroached, um, enmeshed, uh, losing our sense of identity and sovereignty. Instead, that's respected. That's valued. And then sometimes we don't have the capacity to meet their need, or we don't know how to. So what happens in that kind of dynamic is, if it's a capacity issue, we say, I can't do that right now. But can we talk tomorrow? Maybe, maybe later in the day. The other person will receive that, and they're not going to internalize this as a rejection of you, telling them that their needs not valued or they're not loved. That the adult in that in that role will be like, okay, now I can lean on my other resources to meet this need, because they're internally resourced and they're externally resourced. So this primary relationship isn't the only basket they're pulling from in order to nurture their needs. This brings lightness to the relationship and allows it to breathe because no one, no one can do it all for another person, and they're not supposed to. We're not a one relationship person. We're designed to have a community around us, and sometimes that's an actual community, like a structured community, of some sort and then in that is our friends siblings if we have them or healthy parents if we have the 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 benefit of having that and the partner and ourselves see the 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 adult is able to resource internally too they're like oh okay they're not available for that so here's what I can do instead so they're not dependent on this person, on this other individual. They can rely on them because they have a consistent response, but they're not dependent on them for the need because they have additional resources to pull on. This allows the person who doesn't have capacity to continue to be respected and valued for where they're at and the needs of the other person to get met. This is fundamental to having a secure, operating, healthy relationship in our world. And it's built from that premise of consent and privilege. So that's what we do with capacity. Now, if the person doesn't know how to meet the need, then the person with the need can teach that other individual the how. And then if that person gets it and it works, great. Sometimes that doesn't work. Sometimes person A cannot meet the need of person B. This might mean incompatibility. If that happens, it depends on. There's other factors that can fact that play a role in this that can determine whether or not the relationship expands or contracts there. Because sometimes it's just things you you can't do for them, and then they need to look at other resources to meet those needs. And it's very contextually dependent on what that is and how that affects the relationship. <laughs> and that's really. A difficult place, but that's also a place of respect. It's like, oh, I, I know I can't do this for you, but I, I also support you in getting that need met where it works for you. That's love, guys. Notice in that that the person who can't meet the need isn't tearing themselves down and isn't tearing down the other person. And that person with the need isn't tearing down the one who can't meet it and is taking responsibility, owning that need, and reaching towards other resources that can assist it in accomplishing that. That's what it means to be in a relationship. It's not to, this is the only person and they have to be my surrogate parent. It's that, oh, let's support you in getting your needs met in the way that works best for you. That builds intimacy, it builds honesty, it builds connection, and it builds stability. This is how needs operate in adult relationships. We ask for them in direct, clear, and simple terms. It's like, hey, here's my need. Here's how it works. Is this something I can do? What what do you think? Is this something... I'd like to have that with you. What do you think? Oh, yes, sure. Or, oh, no, not. Or maybe yes, but not now. Maybe at this time. We Negotiate it. We say yes or no. It's that simple. It really is. doesn't mean it's easy. Because in in our experience we are navigating attachment distress we are navigating the fear of rejection we are navigating the vulnerability that exists in this kind of very open relationship not in like it's open for other partners but the relationship's breathing and it's organic in its responses to things and that means we, we have to be very open and willing to to receive a no and willing to receive a yes to the things we ask for. And that takes capacity. That takes healing. That takes practice. Most of all, it takes a secure attachment that's developed by actually doing this. So it's, it's a, and they're interdependent. So it creates a cycle. It's like, oh, I ask for a need, they consistently respond to it. Consistently means eight out of ten times, not a hundred percent, because no one can do it a hundred percent. We're human. We're not robots. So start there. But if they're warm and receptive and caring about the need, at a minimum, that, is, that comforts us, that regulates the attachment. It, it reassures us of our, of their sense of value, or, let's see. It's so always a tricky one for me. What it does is it reassures us of how they value us, how they feel about us. Because if you look back at your relationships, whether it's with your parents, a sibling, a friend, a romantic partner, there's one thing I found consistent among everyone I've worked with and in my own life, as we feel most valued when our needs are recognized, respected, and valued by the other person that alone is extremely nourishing and nurturing and that's often what we do not get especially in toxic abusive relationships that doesn't exist because again because in toxic relationships it's about the benefit it's about the cookie the other person's in it to get the cookie once they get their cookie they're done with it they're on your needs this is just a burden get out of my way But in connection-centered relationships, it's, oh, yeah, your need matters to me. I value it because I respect you. I value you as a person. So I'm going to receive this and then respond to it from what I can do and from what I want to do so it is honest, transparent, and clear. Simple. Not easy. Not easy. And so needs are always your responsibility. They are never the responsibility of your partner. Doesn't matter if you're married to him or not. They're yours 100% of the time, all the time. A healthy, available, warm, and loving partner will gladly contribute and help you nurture those needs and encourage you to nourish them elsewhere, too. It's not like, I'll just take that to your friend, deflection. It's more like, oh, you know, here's my contribution, and you know, sounds like you need a little more. What about this one too, or that thing here, et cetera, et cetera. They encourage you to diversify your support because they don't need to be the central figure in your world because they have their own autonomy, their own individuality, and they're doing their life too. And you'll do the same for them. We're building community around this, a network or fabric of support. It empowers us, gives us resilience, gives us redundancy, which adds safety. It's like, oh, well, if I lose this person to something, like the relationship ends or they die or something, I've got resources. It makes life a lot safer, a lot simpler for us to navigate because it's scary enough as it is at times. So building this into our world helps us do that. Also, this destroys euphoria and fantasy. One of the big fantasies we all have bought into, especially in our Disneyized world, is that the other person completes us, the other person's all we'll ever need. What a huge amount of burdenship to carry for a person. Like, wow, that's I have to complete this person, I have to be everything for them. That's an enormous amount of weight. And what a what a, a way to to lose ourselves in a relationship. When we're when we are meeting needs effectively, we're no longer playing in euphoria. We're playing in the warmth of love and kindness that's actually nourishing, that's stabilizing, that's comforting, that's caring for us. We don't need the euphoria because we're being nourished. The fantasy isn't necessary because we're living in real, authentic connection with self and with other. It ends that for us. So I'm gonna check out the comments here. Pam says, fascinating, very foreign to me, the fundamental difference between child-parent versus adult connection. Yeah, yeah, it's a biggie. It's not talked about a whole lot. It's not outlined this way, but that's really what we're dealing with. Am I dealing with a child-level attachment in how I relate to other peer adults, or am I dealing with an adult-level attachment? And We can determine that very easily. By how much entitlement and obligation is being experienced in the relationship. Pam also says it's also, and so very connected, to the concept of each of us as a sovereign individual maintaining our own yard and choices. Yes, because when we come from sovereignty, we get an honest experience of each other. Imagine how much safety and security you'd feel if you knew that this person was contributing to your needs because they wanted to and they did that consistently. Versus, oh, they feel obligated. Or what if they don't want to and they're just doing this because they think they have to? Sense into that difference because it's a pretty profound uh, change there. Deborah says, I've never seen this type of relationship. Oh, <laughs> No doubt. No doubt. This is a leap in the way we look at relationships and people. It's not a common thing at all. Most relationships out there are functioning from some level of child-level attachment and entitlement. It's something that we have to keep a check on. We have to continue to mature out of and mature into our own sovereignty, our own self-respect and respect to the other person. I and mean, the majority of what we see on TV, listen to in the media and our music and books, Nicholas Sparks and stuff like that, this, it's all child-level attachment. It's so all this need for someone else to provide safety, comfort, nurture, and let us discover things. Those are valid needs, but they're valid for a child-parent relationship, not a peer-to-peer relationship. Because peer- or adult-level relationships fulfill or operate in four categories. That's companionship, intimacy, support, and play. Those built on the foundation of consent and privilege, you get fulfillment when it's compatible. So they're very different uh, approaches there. Shane says, kind of hard to hear, yet it feels so right and very respectful to Yeah, it is hard to hear. It is, because it's like, oh, I can't demand somebody to take care of things for me. I have to do the hard work of asking and being vulnerable. It's really difficult. It's a challenge. But the reward is worth it, because the sense of rest and security you feel in your body and in the relationship... It's profound, and that's really what we're going for. We want to feel loved. We want to feel safe. We want to feel playful. We want to feel seen and valued, right? This is how we actually accomplish that, and it's a, it's a leap. Azara shares, yeah, realizing there is a false narrative in society that tells us it's not easy. If it's not easy, it's not healthy. I see that different. Now, because relationships, like you said, take healing and practice and can be uncomfortable. (laughs) You said it. Uncomfortable, absolutely. In fact, usually in the early stages of relationship that's actually operating in a healthy way, it's going to be fairly uncomfortable, mostly because you're doing things that are not the normal for you. I mean, if you come from codependency and you're operating in a healthy way, it's going to feel foreign, uncomfortable, and challenging that's good. It's a positive signal that you're standing up, you're asking for things, you're saying no, you're drawing boundaries, you're learning how they work, you're sharing how you work, you're seeing what happens. You're not trying to control the outcome, you're discovering that outcome. That's the magic of of developing a healthy relationship there. And then Shani shares, just the idea of someone would actually value and respect my needs uh, are able to contribute seems so nourishing. Yeah, exactly. Because they want to. So in, in codependency, our history is that we have been neglected. We have lived in a transactional relationship. Okay, I'm going to get this need met when I do this for mom. And sometimes mom will do that or dad will do that or whatever. And we learn that transactionalism is how love works, and that's not true at all. This, this relationship approach is completely outside the realm Of transactionalism. It's all about connection and it's about a sincere desire to contribute and then receive and then ask. That's how it works. And it takes it takes work, but it also takes being with the right person. It takes being with someone who understands and values this too. If you don't share the same value system here, it's not going to work real well. That is today's episode on how needs fulfillment functions in adult relationships. We ask, we receive from them, we contribute to them. And it's done from a place of want and desire, consent and privilege, rather than entitlement and obligation. Now, if this is something you would want to start to master in your world and start to discover people who do this and start to put this into practice, the Nurture Course is going to give you the foundation for this practice in the interpersonal nurture segments that I teach in the course. The course starts this coming Monday, October 4th for the live version. The recorded version will be available uh, later in October for you to, to enroll in. If you're already a member of the Heal Yourself Strategy, Know Yourself Strategy, or the Relationship Strategy or Relationship Essentials courses, you have access to this already. So if you want to join us, the link is above on Facebook, below on YouTube, and in the description if you're listening via podcast. It's also on my website if you go to courses, healing codependency, and click on nurture, you're ready to go there. So, yeah, so come and join us and learn how to master nurturing your needs within yourself and begin building this kind of kind, loving, and truly nurturing connection with others in your world. So, there you go, guys. I appreciate you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for doing the daring work you're doing. This is not easy stuff we're doing, but the, that's the journey. You're becoming healthier and healthier, which will long-term produce more well-being and happiness in your world. So there you go. Okay, I'll see you guys in our next episode. Be safe out there.